what I think we should change is don't look at someone's age as a determining factor in anything else. For me, for example, it's not specifically school, but like robotics teams, they wouldn't let me in because of my age. And I don't think I will go in because of that. Hello, everybody, and thank you so much for tuning in. You're listening to Dedicated On Air, where we bring together data experts to share their journey and impart their knowledge. This is Kate Stoshny, the founder of Dedicated and the host of Dedicated On Air. All right. Hello, LinkedIn and YouTube. I am super, super excited to have a very special guest with me today. We're going to talk to Mike Wimmer, a child prodigy in robotics. I actually came across his content on LinkedIn probably four or five months ago, and I remember thinking to myself, wow, this kid would be great on my show. And the more I learned about him, the more intrigued I became and really just did some research, ended up contacting Mike on LinkedIn. And with the help of his parents, we've set up this LinkedIn Live. I'm really excited for you to meet him. Before I bring him on, I do have a question for you all. This is a question from Mike, because he's in his last year of high school at the age of 12. Yes, he just turned 12 last month. Mike Wimmer, welcome to the show. Well, hey, Kate. Uh, really, thank you for the introduction. That was really great. I'm super, super excited to talk to you, like I mentioned in the beginning. I've never had a kid on the show, so this is very new for me. I've never had a genius on my show either. So yes, I'm going to call you a genius because I've been looking into the kind of stuff that you're working on, and I'm truly amazed by it all. So tell people who are you. Tell them a little bit about yourself. So yeah, I'm Mike Wimmer. I am a now 12-year-old high school senior at Concord Academy in North Carolina. And I'm just a big, huge robotics fan. I love robotics and technology and IoT and artificial intelligence. Those are just some of my many fields that I love. And that's really me in a nutshell. I also, not only do I do this, these adult things, but I'm also a kid. I love Corvette sports cars and IMSA sports car racing. And those are just a few things about me. All right. Well, I think what's on everybody's mind right now is you just turned 12 and you're in your last year of high school. So how did that happen? How it all got started was, I guess you could say technology-wise, how it got started was me with my original iPad. I always had an affinity toward technology and computers, wondering what it did. And on my iPad, when I was 18 months old, where I would learn with a stylus pen how to form the letters of the alphabet, all the way to things like geography. And from there... I learned how to use the iPad and how to get used to these advanced interfaces. And then I started to wonder what was behind this iconic cursor that I always messed around with. So then I began to teach myself computer coding. And I learned that it was something that was utterly limitless in what I could teach it to do. And I could build a game. I could make a robot. I could do whatever I wanted to. And that was something that I was really, really drawn toward. And educationally wise, I guess you could say I originally started and then I moved up and I did the coursework for the fifth grade and then I moved through high school. And now I am completing high school doing all the coursework for that at 12. Wow. That is amazing. I mean, what I was doing at 12 is it was my third year in school ever because I grew up in a different country and didn't go to school there. So yeah, it was my third year in school ever. So yeah, I was definitely not doing what you're doing at this age. So how would you recommend breaking into the field of robotics? Yeah, sure. So usually, you know, I would do more of a kid-wise, but I guess I could say robotics-wise, I would say never 
give up and always keep trying because just because something you that you think could be impossible, it's not. If it doesn't break a law of science or math, it is. So I would say just keep trying at it and just keep moving forward. Awesome. Thank you. What are your plans? I know maybe it's still a little too early. I don't know how long it'll take you to finish high school. I mean, will you be done tomorrow? Is that the case? <laughs> at the rate you're going? Yeah. So I'll be graduating officially in May. So yes, I am applying to colleges now. I have a few on my shortlist, including MIT, Western Polytech, Carnegie Mellon, just to name a few. And I'm really open to all the options possible because I'm an entrepreneur, right? So I may take a few years off to go to my startup or I may apply to a field fellowship to do the same. Mm-hmm. I'm keeping my options open. So stay tuned for that. Okay, awesome. Are you homeschooling or are you going at your own rate? So maybe share a little bit of your journey with your schooling. So I'm actually going to a brick and mortar school. I am going to Concord Academy in uh, North Carolina here. And I actually do go to school. Obviously not right now. However, I do do a lot online, but it is through the school. Mm-hmm. Rate wise, I guess you could say I'm doing the same coursework, but faster. Got it. So it's the same coursework, but faster. David has a question here. So what would you recommend to my 10-year-old son who's interested in robotics? That's a good question. I actually ask that question quite frequently. So uh, I'd say to get started in robotics, I'd say, I know Kate got this little fella, already 3,000. And so really he can teach using Artie and a, a different other bunch of different companies, such as Lego Mindstorms and Sphero Robotics. They make a whole line of educational robotics. And they said they have this ability where you can go from, say, the block coding and then move up along to, say, the more complicated Python and JavaScript languages. Mm-hmm. Where you can learn the theories first of basic computer code and then build upon that with real calculations and in the actual code. Okay. Yeah. By the way, thank you so much for sending this. For those who don't know, my kids are four and six now. I have two girls and Mike was nice enough to send them this and they have been going crazy over it. His name is Artie. And it's interesting that our next door neighbor's dog is Artie and the guy's Artie and his son is Artie. So the mother there literally yells, Artie, like every day. So now they're like, is this the Artie? I'm like, no, this is a robot Artie. So now we have four Arties in the area. But they absolutely love it, especially the fact that he can draw a hangman for them and a tic-tac-toe so then they can play right after. I think the learning moment started when they were able to customize the number of letters for the hangman. I mean, they're still young. They haven't been doing robotics for a few years like you probably have at that age, but they're still learning a lot out of that. So next question here from Winner. He's asking, so Mike, when did you break into robotics and what drove your interest? Okay, so I really started, like I said before, that by my affinity toward like my iPad, that technology behind it. Yeah. And that really drove me to technology originally. And then the coding about, okay, what's behind? How does this work? And that's really the basis of how I've learned for my whole life. And I started robotics itself at four with Lego Mindstorm because I was a big Lego guy, had all the cool Legos. And then I saw Mindstorm and I thought it was just every other Lego that I could build and I could program it. Well, little did I know there would be the same thing as what I was doing on my computer that I could program it. And that's where I really started to get into, I guess you could say, the hardware side of 
programming. And then after a while, I kind of maxed out the Mindstorm. I got into now over here, that's my, uh, my robot, Infinite. And he taught me the, it was the same kind of thing I built up with him. And, but I knew with my Python coding that I learned on my computer that I could do infinite amount of things with it. Mm. And this is where I really started to combine hardware with software that I was doing before. And that's what really drove me toward robotics and AI was that drive. Okay, awesome. Yeah, and I remember reading your story. So can you just share with the rest of the folks that have joined us live of when you drew your name or wrote your name in chalk and you kind of surprised a few people? Yeah, sure. So at two years old, I went to a summer, a local little summer camp for a week or so. And they were just kind of playing around the playground. I was writing my name on chalk on the sidewalk. Yeah. And were blown away. I could even think about doing that. So then they said to my parents, do you realize he will write his name on sidewalk? Uh, they were like, uh, yeah, we do that. Yeah. Because they had never had a child before, obviously. So they didn't know. And then that's kind of where we started to figure out that I was different than everyone else. And then I got tested at age three for my IQ and I uh, entered into Mensa at age four. But yeah, that's kind of where the, the educational thing started. But yeah, that was quite a funny story. Yes, yes, absolutely. So I'm not sure if everyone's familiar with Mensa. You want to give a quick overview of Mensa and how that's kind of changed your educational trajectory? Yes. So Mensa is a high IQ society where it's just we can sign up and it's a group of people that are in this high IQ. And a lot of times we do annual gatherings where we all get together somewhere around the country and we meet. And it's the top 2% percentile. And basically, we can get together during these annual gatherings. We can speak to each other like I've done two times in a row. Obviously, not this year because of COVID. But yeah. we speak. I, I speak. That's where, actually, uh, I gave you that video for my uh, 2018 speech there, where I really talk about my educational journey and share to them how I, as a young medicine, have brought through these struggles that I've gotten in my educational journey. And that's really Mensa in a nutshell. Okay, awesome. Yeah, and for those interested, I'm happy to share a link that Mike shared with me. It's basically Mike's presentation on how his educational journey has taken shape. And then at the end, he does a really cool demonstration of a robot that he's programmed to do the evolution of dance dance. It's like, it's out of this world. It's really amazing. I'm going to share that. It was really funny. And my kids watched it. They loved it too. Obviously, they think the robot was just... You bought the robot. They don't understand that you've actually programmed it to do that, but it's still very impressive. What do your parents do for a living? And was there anything they did when you were really young that inspired you to get excited about technology? Well, I'd say uh, that's a quite interesting question, actually. My parents, neither of them are in this field. My dad is actually a construction worker and he's a custom home builder. And I really didn't have an influence one way or another. I was kind of, I needed a field that would be limitless for what I could do. And I came upon that technology because I can learn anything I wanted to at the pace that I wanted and desired. But yeah, parents, they really helped me in whatever that I wanted and desired to do. And they wanted to really get my exposure into whatever that was. It could have been music, it could have been art, it could have been STEM. But I was drawn to the technology probably because it was it had no limits. And that's what really got me here. Mm -hmm. Okay. 
What about your friends, right? You just turned 12. What do they think about this? How do you play with them? Well, uh, see, friends to me is a broad category because I have friends of all ages, you know, just like my age and older than me. But the friends that are... We, they think it's cool that I'm doing it at such a young age. I'm graduating this year. I've got all these accomplishments. But I have people who have been known to tell me that I have this ability where I can dial down or dial up my technical level, depending on needed. So in this case, say for my friends my age, we don't really talk about the ROI or consumer acquisition costs of my company right now. We talk about more like the video games, what's going on in racing, Legos, that kind of thing. But, you know, the more technical of a person and I can gauge a person by their technical abilities, I can basically dial up what I'm like, you know, my vocabulary as I can going. Okay. So you basically have to constantly adjust to whoever it is you're interacting Just like everybody has to adjust to the people that they're talking to. You just do that in a similar way with your friends. Yes, that's right. Awesome. By the way, Greg says you should go on speaking tours and companies would pay good money for you to appear at their company meetings. And you do speaking tours, right? Is that part of what you do? Yes, I do speak a lot. I speak at, like I said before, men's annual gathering. I speak at some regional gatherings before. Mm-hmm. I've done many different conferences, robotics conferences, robotics, different conventions. But yeah, I'm available to speak anywhere. I can come up with a speech and say it. But yeah, I'm usually... Yeah, I'm I'm available. I got a flexible schedule, of course, since COVID and everything. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So guys, whoever wants to hire Mike to speak, contact him directly. We will share his uh, email at the end of the session. By the way, my nephew is here, Vadim. So he's the high school senior. So Vadim, inspired. he's in computer science and he's programming Python and I think Java or JavaScript. I'm not sure which one. He's going to kill me because he tells me there's a clear difference. I don't program as much as you can tell. So Yeah, friends-wise, again, you know, I got a buddy, Adam, Adam Wilson, who might be on the call. And he and I talk a lot over the past few weeks. And we uh, that's that technical level that I can reach all the way up to. But yeah. Okay. Okay, cool. So uh, Jatin here is saying, when I started to explore at age 18, Mike learned at four. <laughs> so appreciate your curiosity. Hope to see you change the world in the future. What is your vision for the future and how is robotics going to help shape it? I know that's a big question. Yeah, that's a uh, that's a big question. So here's what I'm thinking. You know, I guess you could say robotics automation wise. That's kind of the route I guess I can go. And I'm thinking that based on the idea of automation, well, me personally, I want to build technology that will change the world and help people live better lives, whether it be helping them in their work or helping them in their lives. That's what I want to do. And that's what I think robotics can physically do. Mm-hmm. And I'm hoping, and I know a lot of people are scared about, oh, robots are going to take over our jobs and everything. Well, he never thought that the Amazon warehouses that have all of the automated robots have to be controlled by humans somewhere. Yeah, I know. Yeah, that there's a whole thing of robots are going to take my jobs. I personally feel like they're going to help you do your job. Yes, that's correct. Yes. Yeah, they're going to augment the future for sure, but hopefully in a better way, right? I'm a, I'm a very optimistic person. Yeah, so, I think they're going to make the jobs a whole lot easier rather than replace them. Yes, I agree. I do want to give you an opportunity right now to talk about your new venture. I know you've got something yeah. new, something exciting you wanted to share. So let's let's just do that now before I get into more questions, because I have like a thousand questions I want to ask you. Yeah, no problem. 
I got a big venture coming. It's going to be a amazing IoT integration software called Reflect Social. I am raising funds for it currently and have been in the past. And if you would like to learn a little bit more about it, you can go to my website, nextyearinnovation.com and follow me on LinkedIn as well. I have updates on there. But yeah, if you would also, you can sign up for beta testers on my LinkedIn page. But we hope to be hopefully the TikTok of IoT and hope to launch in uh, holiday of 2020. So stay tuned for that as well. Wait, holiday 2020, that's in a few months. Yes, that's right. I thought you were going to say like 2021, 2022. You're just launching right away. Yes, we are working on it. Okay, awesome. Well, guys, stay tuned. Make sure you follow Mike Wimmer on LinkedIn. So I read as I was doing some research on you that last year you were the first miner to ever be awarded a position and hired by the United States Special Operations Command. So I know you probably can't talk too much about it, but what can you share about that experience? So yes, I can share that I was contacted by USS OCOM in May of 2019 because they were looking for a subject matter expert in artificial intelligence and machine learning. I've seen some of my work and they said, hey, let's bring this kid in, see what he can do. And we go to these big think tanks where they say, here's a problem. Here's your limits. See what you can do. Yeah. And, you know, it's pretty fun walking into the room of a bunch of military personnel and a bunch of alpha subject matter experts to see how the dynamics all work together. And it's very interesting. Also, the first day I come in there, it's like, you bring the kid to work day or something for us? And then at the end of the week, every week, I always have followed a motto that, I, that my parents have instilled in me, which is called show what you know. And show what you know is really the idea of showing what you can do in order to get people to respect you, whether it be a teacher, whether it be a personnel, whether it be whoever. And that's what I've learned over time. So that's what I've done at these military events as well, is I've shown what I know. And then they ended up respecting me at the end. And I can show my ideas and knowledge as an equal playing field to everyone else. Yeah, that's extremely impressive because I know it's easy to be discouraged when someone says something like, is this bring your kid to work day? Or I know someone's made a mistake thinking, oh, they thought you guys made a mistake when you were seven, but they thought you were 17. Yes. Yeah. Forget the one. They're like, your parents are like, no, no, this is him. Take a chance. And then you went in and showed what you know or showed what you knew and, you know, blew people out of the water again. So this is really impressive. Now. I want to know, maybe if, if your parents want to jump in here, if you wanted to share the story, what can parents do to inspire their children, right? If people are watching with their children or have children, what can they do to inspire them to get into maybe STEM or robotics or, you know, so, data science? Yeah. Um, I guess I can kind of answer this question a little bit here. So I guess I can answer first. Really, I know what she'll say as well would be foster what your kid will want to do, kind of like they did, whether for me it was technology in this case. Because it may be STEM, it may not be STEM, but that parents need to foster whatever their kid is going to do. Mm-hmm. And if they give them all of the opportunities that they can, oh, make sure they're exposed to it as much as they want to, make sure that that is what they want to do and ex- make sure they get exposed to it. And also make sure that's what your kid wants to do, not what the parents want you to do. Yeah, those are very good points, because I think a lot of times the parents are like, you're going to be a doctor or a lawyer. That Those are your options, right? That's the older school of thinking. But now there's just so many new options. I guess it's a matter of exposing them to a lot of different things to see what they like, right, in the first place. 
and then and then fostering that. So did you want to add something? Did- I can add just a little bit. You know, we never pushed Mike in any direction, as he said. You know, we just kind of, he showed interest. We tried to expose him to whatever interests him. A lot of times people look at his age and we would have to, you know, go around a different way to get exposure to things, but that's okay. We're kind of used to that by now. <laughs> well, I, I will say, and he will tell anyone as well, the only area we ever pushed him in was being social, you know, be able to do these interviews with you and not say, oh, I don't want to do that. Mm. That was the one area that we we tried to make sure we covered was social and to still be a kid, you know, be able to play and have fun and those kinds of things. But I just say, give your child the exposure to whatever their interest is. Do not push them into anything or do not push them farther than they want to go in a certain area. Mm -hmm. Just let them drive a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Great, great advice. Thank, Thank you both for that. You're very, very social. So I would have never guessed that your parents had to push you into being more social because, I mean. My- well, more like when I was like two. Oh. That, that was really when. That was really. Okay, got it. <laughs> what they would do was they would take, she, my mom would, um, you know, the usual two-year-old thing, hide behind mom's leg. Yes. Okay. And she would just put her hand behind. She said, come on, you're going to do this. Yeah. And I would do whatever it was, whether it was shake the captain's hand at age two. I would do it. And that's kind of where it got me to where I am today, where I can't control not being social. Yeah. Okay. Yes, I understand now. Yeah, my kids, I mean, like I said, they're four and six and they still kind of, they don't want to really volunteer as much. The six-year-old's okay, but the four-year-old doesn't want to speak to her Zoom teacher on camera. She's just like, uh, can I not do this? Or strangers and stuff like that. So now I get it. Susan says, what a great mom. I absolutely agree. Somebody else says, hello to mom. Amazing job. Your parents are your energy. Yeah, a lot of great comments coming in here. I have a question here from Valerie. I think I can predict what you're going to say, but what types of things did you find most challenging? And I think it's a three-letter word, but I'm just going to I'm gonna let you yeah, say it. Yeah, yeah, you know what it is. So basically, the three-letter word is age. And that's really been my biggest obstacle, whether it was getting opportunities, like mom was saying, or whatever else. It was having people accept the fact that I may be seven years old at the time or now 12 years old or 11 years old, whatever age I was or am. There's people are hard to accept the fact that just because I am young does not mean that my abilities are lower than everyone else's. Mm -hmm. Okay. I figured you'd say age because I saw that video where you said it's a three letter word. I'm like, what is it going to (laughs) be? It's like age. (laughs) Tina Woods is here saying this is inspiring. Follow your passions. This is important, whatever your age. I'm actually interviewing Tina Next week, she wrote a book called Live Longer with AI that I'm going to be reading soon. It's coming in the mail in two days. So looking forward to that as well. So my kids are home now, right? My kids are home. A lot of other kids are home with the pandemic. What do you... So yeah, I guess what Kate was trying to say there was, um, you know, a lot of kids are remote learning. So how do we foster the idea of remote learning and help your kids? And I think the main reason or main help for remote learning would be to don't fear the technology. It may be may seem like this big thing that is going to be difficult to use and hard, but don't fear the technology. Just accept the fact that it is coming and it will be able to help you in your job, like I said before. But we need technology, of course, right now so that we can have any at, at all tech schooling 
So with the use of technology, that can help that, obviously. But then also we need to accept the fact that we need to use it at this time. And, you know, computers are dumb. They're the most stupidest machines that there is because guess what? They only follow what you do. They only do what you tell it to. You move the mouse one way, it's going to move the cursor that way. It does exactly what you tell it to. Luz has a comment here saying, thanks, Mike. I was afraid of programming for a long time. Now I work as a data scientist and I love it. So she's saying thank you for sharing your experience. Absolutely. I love the next question from Michael. What do you do to chill out? (laughs) Yeah. Well, uh, you know, many people say, oh, oh, well, you know, he's 12 and doing all these things. He's not a kid, is he? You know, he doesn't do what normal kids do. And the answer is actually yes. You can see me at, you know, when I'm in the summer, you know, swimming at the, in my pool or playing basketball or driving RC cars or flying my drone. You know, it's a little bit of everything. And really one of my favorite, I guess, the combinations of both of my worlds would be what's called IMSA sports car racing, where you have Corvettes, Lamborghinis, Ferraris, Aston Martins, McLarens, Porsches, all those exotic sports cars racing around the track on a road course. And what the interesting thing is, there's a whole lot of technology involved in it, like a radar system that's on the back that was developed by Pratt Miller, which is another really um, awesome company. I really love those guys over there. But it's that the technology involved in it really helps me to combine what I love about sports cars and then the technology over here, combine them together. You know, that's, I guess you could say, how I chill out. (laughs) Awesome. Very, very cool. So it's still in the tech space, but it involves racing cars. Yeah. And then also, you know, stuff that doesn't involve tech as well, you know, playing with Hot Wheels cars or Legos and stuff, just different things. Yeah. Okay, cool. We've got comments here saying uh, super mom, people saying you're you're doing amazing, you're incredible. There's a question here from Akiko asking, is there any book that inspired you? Interesting question. So book-wise, I was really kind of sci-fi-wise, I guess you could say. There was a lot of series that kind of inspired me of how would that work? How would that work in real life? How could I translate that from what I know in my own knowledge to what is in the sci-fi, whether it be a movie or a book or whatever? Mm-hmm. And that also continued the whole how and why of what's going on and how would that work kind of thing that I've always been drawn to. But specifically books, I mean, any kind of robotics books or anything I had and I was reading and drawn to textbooks, encyclopedias, whatever I could get my hands on. Encyclopedia sounds like a great kid's book, Mike. (laughs) I think you're going to find the next question a lot easier to answer and a lot more fun. What is your favorite Lego set? Oh, man. (laughs) Uh, That's pretty hard. So I I got so many. But it's probably the brand new uh, Lego Technic. um, It's the green Lamborghini Sien. That's also another combination of two things that I really like is sports cars and Legos. Yeah. Okay. Thanks. By the way, there's a comment here from Ravid saying that the robot is playing with my internet. Can Artie mess up my Wi-Fi? Is that what's happening <laughs> <laughs> next to me? <laughs> if, what are you doing over there? He's mischievous sometimes. Yeah. There's someone here who wants to quote Peter Dinklage's speech. The world might say you are not allowed to or you are not ready. Show it, be it. So I think you're, you're living that quote. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Mark Eric has a question. Do you play chess? That's an uh, interesting question. Yes, I do play chess. It's uh, quite fun. I know. I think try to come up with strategies, play with my dad a little bit. I think that the idea of my AI and my machine learning 
and figuring out the hard problems is kind of mixes in with that is in the same way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you for that. I tried to teach my kids chess. They like they like hopping with the horse. So <laughs> <laughs> okay, this is a great question here. What changes are you suggesting in the current educational sector? So going through what you went through, what suggestions would you have? Well, here's what I would say, I guess you could say. Don't look at someone's age as a determining factor for their abilities, educational, technical, what have you. So I think that if we continue to do this, then we're going to lose some of the best and brightest in this country. And we're going to have a big possibility to, there may be a kid that can cure cancer, but he's stuck in this tunnel of, I can't get out of this. I can't do anything other than what school is telling me to do, which is not the pace I need. And that's really what I think we should change is don't look at someone's age as a determining factor in anything else. You know, like for me, for example, it's not specifically school, but like robotics teams, they wouldn't let me in because of my age. And I don't think they should let me in or I don't think I will go in because of that. Mm. So, and of course I won't go in now because I'm too old, but yeah, just don't look at someone's age as a determining factor in what their abilities or technical abilities are. Yeah, I find it a little frustrating as well when people are just looking at age as a factor. And my daughter, for example, she's four and she's meant to start pre-K, right, if there was no COVID. But she's at the level of my first grader for the most part in terms of her math and her reading and everything else. So I'm like, why does she need another two years of tracing letters when she can write sentences? And it's like, but it's... You know, she's not at the level where, you know, I'm going to push her into like, a, you know, not push, but introduce her to a mentor program or something like that. But it's still kind of like, can they test kids to see what level they're at and put them in the right program versus just, oh, you're born in this year on this date. OK, you're there. You're born on this year. You're in this class. And it doesn't make sense to me either. So hopefully that's going to that's going to change. I, I hope. Yeah. And I think also there's a few things kind of like what I was saying before. The student has to be willing to also show what they know in order to prove themselves to be at that higher level, not their calendar age of 2008 in my case. And you got to make sure that they show what you know and keep up with the work as well. 2008, I was almost graduating college. I graduated in 2009. So that's so cool. (laughs) Yeah, I didn't even think about what year you're born in. Now just like it hit me. So thanks. What is your favorite programming language? I can't wait to hear this one. So, yeah, uh, really, you know, I guess I can kind of do a little bit of flashback here. Really, the one that started off me was Python. I really, that's where I got into. And that's kind of what I'm still drawn to. Of course, I know about a bunch now, about a dozen now. But Python is still my favorite because it's not limited to, like, say, JavaScript or HTML, where I can only do a website or I can only do this. But I can do anything that I want to with it. And that's really what I think is pretty powerful with it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I've learned a bit of Python as well. And I think it's one of the most recommended for the data science community, which which is most of the, the audience here, I'd assume. But there's always a debate of R versus Python. So um, yeah. it's interesting. So you choose Python. Okay. So we spoke about what you enjoy doing outside of robotics. Do you do anything else that's not technology related or cars related that you'd want to share? Really kind of uh, just kind of swimming and basketball. Those are kind of my other kind of sports kind of things. I really love everything that I do, you know, whether it be cars and technology. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there's, there's this one saying that I really like is if you love what you're doing, you'll never work a day. 
And that's one thing that I've always drawn to because I love what I do. I mean, I love messing around with robots and NVIDIA Jetsons and all that kind of stuff. That's what I love to do. And to me, you know, there's always classification of work and play. Yeah. For me, they're both together. Put them together. I agree with you completely. I love what I do now. I don't feel like I'm working at all. So I completely agree. And just going to the comments, so someone says, I love all the things you're saying about age and education. Wise words. I absolutely agree. And uh, Roman says age is a bad predictor in terms of knowledge or experience. Yeah, you'll see all these job applications if you ever apply to a job, right, Mike? I don't know. I don't see you applying for jobs. I feel like people will either try to hire you tomorrow or just pay you to speak at their um, events or, and stuff like that, or you're you know, going to be with your next era innovations, building things on your own. But one thing you'll notice is those job applications always say, you know, you must have 15 years of experience using this software. And a lot of times that software has just come out eight years ago. So it's yeah. so funny when you see those <laughs> job posts. Well, you know, you know, another thing that I'm thinking of is, uh, and I guess we can touch on the school thing as well. The cutting edge is always at the forefront. And the textbook has to be made at a certain point. Mm-hmm. So you have to keep up with it at the cutting edge as far as you can. So, you know, that's raising me the question of, do I go to school or not? And that's another thing that I'm pondering now. Yeah. Yeah. I can't wait to see what you actually end up doing. Uh, it's very interesting to just kind of follow you and see what you end up doing. Another question I had for you is, you know, you mentioned your parents instilled in you something called show what you know. Yes. I recommend people, let's say they're getting into programming or robotics, and how can they actually show what they know? What are some of your advice? So, yeah, so I guess some of the specifics to show what you know is the technical questions, you know, if you get asked, uh, hey, what's this? You know, make sure you answer it, but make sure, hey, I don't know that yet. Because just because you have high intellectual ability doesn't mean that you know everything. Obviously, I don't know everything, but it's that high intellectual ability to say, hey, I don't know that yet. And then also, you know, being willing to show what you know, that's another thing. Being willing to show, hey, I can do this technical ability without blatantly obviously saying it. Mm -hmm. Okay, got it. Thank you. So uh, a question for you. So there are self-driving cars, right? And there there are Corvettes. So which one would you choose, a self-driving car or a Corvette? Well, yeah, I guess you could say that was my, you got that from my mashup of my uh, autonomous Corvette RC car that I made. Yes. Well, uh, you know, I love all the technology and everything in a self-driving car, the safety and technology goes around it. But then I have a video game simulator and everything. So I love to drive. I love to shift gears. I love to figure out, pick my lines. So I would have them both in my garage at the same time. That is a great answer. Look at that. It's not this or that. It's both. Wait, have you actually driven a car in real life? No, I mean, I have a, a, a Razor that I drive around sometimes, but okay. I have a video game simulator I can drive a car. Okay, okay, cool. Yeah. I can get. So my nephew's 17, he's learning how to drive. So I guess you'll okay. have that later. <laughs> the actual <laughs> But it's so fun. You say you love cars, you love driving. That's how I wanted to ask if you've actually you know, driven a real car. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, you know, just because I can't drive on the road doesn't mean I can't drive on a track. Exactly, exactly. Very true, very true. I think I drove for the first time when I was 13, but um, it was probably with my brother there, and it's probably not legal, and I probably should stop talking about it. <laughs> so it was fun in the moment. I used to love it. So, Mike, 
I wanted to know, is there somebody you're inspired by or motivated by or who's motivated you over the past few years? First, I'll say my parents to begin with, you know, they've instilled in me the idea of show what you know, the idea of, you know, like that social aspect. They, they're really my biggest role model. And then, you know, I guess two technical people I would say is first Adam Wilson. He's helped me motivate me through the business side of things as well as the technical side. He's helped me, you know, every week we speak and we say, okay, hey, you know, let's do this now. And he's helping me with the company now called Reflect Social. And then also we have, he developed Sphere Robotics, by the way. He's the guy who made the rover back here, this little fella. He's also an educational toy as well. Okay. Yeah, that, that, I, I put the camera on there, but... <laughs> But yeah, another thing is, uh, you know, another really role model would be Elon Musk. The reason that I'm drawn to him more than others is he's got that out of the box thinking, number one, kind of like I do, you know, something that is not breaking a law of physics or math can be done. You know, nothing is impossible unless it does that. I mean, who would have thought that we could land a rocket on a barge floating in the ocean and then use it back again or have a semi-autonomous car? This out-of-the-box thinking, okay, well, if it can't be done this way, let's figure out another way because it can. That's the same way I think. Okay, yeah, absolutely. It's always impossible until somebody does it, right? Right. I follow Elon Musk and all the work he's doing as well, and you kind of remind me of him. So I'm sure you probably get that a lot, like a yeah, definitely. Bill Gates type of thing going, going for you. So. All right. One of the last questions I had for you here is that what can we expect to see from you in the future? I think really huge things from where I am now. And really, my main focus is Reflect Social, that my IoT integration company that I hope to launch in, like I said, holiday 2020. That's my main drive and focus on also uh, doing a bunch of military contracts as well currently, too. So, But yeah, that's my really true future in the near future plans is Reflect Social. Graduate high school, right? That's <laughs> yes. I only graduate high school in May. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> You're like I got military contracts. Oh yeah, graduate high school. Sure, whatever. <laughs> yeah, that's, right. That's really awesome. So, Mike, where can people go? I know you mentioned a, a few sites before, but just so people remember, where can they go to follow you and stay in touch with everything you're doing? So, uh, my website, nextairinnovations.com. I know that's on the ticker. Along, also follow me on LinkedIn. You can actually get my uh, beta tester sign up for Reflect Social on there as well. Okay. And then also uh, my private email is uh, MikeTWimmer at gmail.com for those who want to directly contact me. I want to thank you so much for your time today. I definitely will you highly encourage everyone watching this session, either now or the recorded uh, version of the session. Definitely keep your eyes on Mike Wimmer. He's going to go on and do great things. He's already done amazing things. So thank you again for being on the show. Absolutely. I really loved it. Thank you for inviting me. Awesome. All right. Have a good rest of your day, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to the Dedicated On Air podcast. We really hope you'll come back for more episodes. And until then, stay dedicated.